Hi listeners, I'm Izzy, my pronouns are they and them. Welcome to the Critical Conversations for Social Work podcast. This is Joella. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge the country that we're recording this episode on today and pay our respects to the Turrbal and Yagara peoples and their elders, past, present and emerging by committing to always remembering that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. everyone and welcome to the Critical Conversations for Social Work podcast. Uh, my name is Angela and I'll be having a conversation with Jen Kagan who is a social worker from Kiniti. Uh, but first of all I would just like to acknowledge the First Nations people of this land, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I am on Yagara and Turrbal land and I pay my respect to past, present and emerging uh, elders and leaders. So with me today I have Jen Kagan uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? Good, Angela. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah, I'm really excited about it too. Um, it's my first time like having a conversation around this topic and with a lecture as well, so I'm very excited. Um, right. Just wanted to, like, if you would like to introduce yourself, can you, you know, tell us a, tell us a bit about who you are? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, my name's Jen Kagan um, and my pronouns are she and her. Uh, we're going to be talking about, um, about queer theory, uh, which yeah. is, is my pedagogy. Um, and so in doing that, I would like to um, echo your acknowledgement um, of the traditional owners, but also um, acknowledge that I stand on the shoulders of uh, the elders of the um, queer community who have gone before me, who um, have fought fights and struggled so that I can live the life that I live yeah. um, and that others coming after me um, can live a better life than they lived. Mm. Um, and so about me, I've been, I've been teaching here for 20 years, um, which just is a crazy thought um, yeah. that it's been 20 years. Uh, before, I, before I started here, um, I was a youth worker. Um, I worked with um, homeless, you know, mainly homeless young people, really highly marginalised young people. Uh, I started in country Victoria and then moved to Darwin and then um, and then Melbourne and and then in Brisbane. Um, I was also the youth policy officer for Brisbane City Council um, before I started teaching here. Uh, I'm also a member of the queer community. I'm a very proud member of the queer community. I'm a cisgendered lesbian. I'm a lesbian parent. Um, I've always been out in my workplaces. Um, I decided very early on that I wanted to um, to role model being out and being proud of my identity. Mm. Um, it hasn't always been easy. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's always been important. I know that not everyone can do that. Um, yeah. And uh, but for me, that's what's been important. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's basically who I am. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing a bit about yourself. It sounds like you have a, a wealth of knowledge, um, yeah, in some different areas. Yeah, 
Yeah, been around the block a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, so, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the pedagogy that you work from or the pedagogy that you use in your practice? Yeah, so, I mean, just just kind of the brief overview, I guess, is that um, my pedagogy is informed by by critical theory and social justice and anti-oppressive practice, um, but the lens that I view all of that through is queer theory. Um, so um, everything's slightly rainbow coloured. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how long have you been? Yeah, how long have you been using this lens for? Um, so I guess I came I came to queer practice before I came to queer theory. Okay, um, and so. Like it wasn't a theory that I learned at uni, you know. <laughs> and so, um, but being queer, I, I always tried to queer my workplaces. Um, you know, that was part of my commitment um, to always being out. Um, and so I was always saw myself as a queer practitioner. Right. Uh, one of my proudest achievements um, in practice land um, was being one of a, a small group of people who wrote the submission for Open Doors Youth Service 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and Open Doors is, you know, it remains um, the only fully funded queer youth service in Queensland. Yeah. And, um, and, and being part of that group was, was part of a journey that had kind of come through lots of youth work that I'd been doing, you know, me and others had been doing, trying to support queer young people in in education and in in um, you know all kinds of youth work settings mm-hmm. and so uh being able to get open doors off the ground you know for me really legitimately is um something that i'm that i'm really proud of yeah. um once i started teaching um I, I i kind of set myself the task to learn more about queer theory you know mm-hmm. so um so i could make those links between theory and practice you know, here at uni, we teach the theory first and then you go and do yeah. the practice. You know, I was kind of going, oh, I've done this practice, you know. Yeah. So now what's the theory that that kind of helps me understand that practice? Yeah. And and I was thinking about it um, in, in thinking about this conversation that we were going to have and um, queer practice helped me see the injustices, you know. So, so it helped me to, to work actively toward challenging those injustices, um, you know, on individual levels with the young people that I worked with and on more, you know, systemic and and structural levels. Um, Queer theory helped me understand the discourses that lay behind those injustices. Mm. And so for me, that was, that was the layer that I think was missing. So, so queer practice, you know, when I, when I reflected on it, you know, queer practice, can feel like banging your head against a wall, you know, because there's there's so much opposition to to, um, uh, trying to support queer young people particularly, you know, but but there's so much opposition to that. It's so hard to get stuff through schools. I mean, things are changing now, but, you know, I'm also talking 20 years ago when I started, you know, more than that, 30 years ago when I started, you know, it was was hard work, you know. Um, So it feels like banging your head against a wall, but but yeah. queer theory can help you see pathways through that. Like so, so queer theory helps me understand how hetero and cis normativity is woven through everything. You know, so how identities are shaped, how power and privilege works. And once you see that, 
Yeah. Then you see what's at the heart of the injustices. Mm. Um, there's still lots of banging your head against the wall, though. Yeah. It's still yeah. hard. You but you can saying, understand the discourses um, yeah. a bit more. You keep yeah. on mentioning about, like, banging your head against the wall. Can you <laughs> talk about, I guess, these, this opposition that you're, that you're um, fighting against? Like, I guess, what is it that, um, what are these barriers that uh, young queer people are experiencing? And, yeah, like, what, are, what is this thing that, I guess, you're advocating for? Yeah, well, like, some of my work um, years ago was trying to, um, trying to support um, uh, queer young people through their school experience, their education experiences, because we know that that queer young people find um, education, um, find schools to be unsafe. I mean, the research tells us that school and family are the two most unsafe places for queer young people, oh, wow. um, physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, you yeah. know, unsafe in all the ways. And so, um, you know, in some of my early work, me and others was about um, trying to get peer support programs into schools, you know, and, and trying to get stuff into schools is just, you know, that really is banging your head against a wall because the principal will say, oh, no, the PNC won't let me do that. And the PNC will go, oh, no, the principal wouldn't let us do that. And yeah. so, you know, they, they keep on putting blocks up as a, you know, as someone who, you know, well, as a lesbian parent and also someone who's done, um, you know, research and tried to um, do law reform kind of work in that space. I mean, that's such a hot-button issue, you know, children and parenting and queer um, is a really hot-button issue. That's where you, you hit the, you know, the right-wing kind of um, conservative concerns about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's where the banging your head against the brick wall stuff can can come in at that, that real pointy end of the injustices. But, mm. you know, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that's just the relentlessness of the silencing, the invisibilising. There's just the relentlessness of it as well. So I guess, you know, my aim, you know, in terms of, of what's brought me to be interested in, in, you know, this kind of work, my aim really is to queer social work Social Works had a, a, a conflicted history with working with people with diverse genders and sexes and sexualities. Yeah, um, social work education still has hetero and cis normativity woven through it mm-hmm. and it's often that that in itself isn't recognised. Yeah. Um, and so, like, we just we keep on teaching social work concepts and practice skills um, without recognising that the case studies that we're using are assuming heterosexuality and, and cisgender. If queer is discussed, it's usually in the context of problems and stigma and the social worker learns how to fix those problems, you know. Um, yeah. But the discourses that are underlying those problems um, aren't interrogated. Mm. You know, so the, the heteronormativity, the, the cis normativity, the, the, the homophobia, the, you know, that, that's not interrogated. Um, and, it, and I think it's because it's only been really kind of recently that we've started to really teach about queer theory, you know, just in the last few years, really. I never heard about queer theory until I came to uni. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what the word queer meant. Till yeah, I yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and. And still what we're doing at uni, you know, in this course, is we kind of have queer week, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. so the week with the lecture about 
about queer theory or you know yeah. queer practice awesome. um you know and, and students cool. kind of have talked to me about queer week you know and yeah. and about how it's a bit bittersweet um because um they feel like they've they've finally been seen mm. um but it's only for a week um, yeah. rather than having those <laughs> those queer ideas embedded right throughout the course um, yeah so you know quite a few students have talked to me about that bittersweetness of it yeah Jen I noticed that you you said a couple words like uh heteronormativity and cisgender I was just wondering if you can unpack the the definition of those if possible yeah sure sure so so heteronormativity is um is the assumption that that everyone is um is heterosexual and that that the, the normativity part of it is that you know that runs through institutions and systems so all of our institutions and systems are all set up around this idea that everyone is happily heterosexual mm-hmm. you know that that's the preferred and privileged way of being and so that's what heteronormativity is um, cis normativity or cisgender is um, is it's it's actually um cisgender is on the same side of so it's so it's and transgender is on the opposite side of and so so cis is uh when you're cisgendered you are you live the gender assigned at birth um i noticed yeah like before um well i was going to ask you what brought you to be interested in this in this pedagogy but i guess you kind of talked about that before i I did sorry (laughs) i kind of kept going yeah (laughs) but um yeah i guess like what I, I guess what I want to know is because you said that you've been you've always been practicing like queer, but you haven't really did the theory until you you um, decided to study mm. further. So mm. I guess what what wanted you to what made you want to study um, the theory? Is it just because I guess you wanted to to match the the theory to the to the work or to better understand things? Yeah, absolutely. It was about about deepening my understanding, um, and I and I think. Um, I think, you know, like I was saying about how queer practice for me was about understanding the injustice and responding to the injustice, um, you know, and challenging that. Um, um, but, but there's still um, theory helps us understand what, what lies behind the, that injustice, you know, theory helps us understand those dominant discourses, whether it's queer theory or any kind of, you know, like um, um, it helps us to to um, to really understand what's going on. Um, and so for me, um, learning about queer theory helped me understand my queer practice better. Mm. Um, and and I kind of, I mean, I felt an obligation to do it in a sense because as an educator, um, you know, I needed to bring theory in um, so I could then teach theory. Um, so I needed to understand the theory myself, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, and, and some of it's hard, you know, lots of, um, I mean, it, it, it draws on um, queer theory. Queer theory, actually, the term actually emerged um, in uh, 1990 or 91 um, at, a, at a conference, uh, it was first coined, um, and um, and it draws on um, feminist theory and post-structural theory and also um, gay and lesbian studies that had kind of gone before. Um, so, um, and, and we know, I mean, if you've read 
feminist theories and post-structural theories, they're quite wordy, you know, like they, yeah, some of the concepts are like, whoa, they make your head explode. Um, and so queer theory kind of does the same too. It, it really it makes your head explode a little bit. Um, but I think that just makes it even more important that we're teaching it and trying to unpack it yeah. um, uh, so students can not be go, oh, that's just too hard to get my head around that it. stuff, yeah. you know, um, because if they want to be um, critical practitioners, then I think they really need to um, mm-hmm. get their head around, around yeah. queer theory. And I guess um, that's why this podcast is really helpful because we get to talk about these theories and break it down a little bit uh, for students yeah. like me and other people listening. So, yeah. and um, I was just wondering, are there, can you think of, like, I guess, any examples where you've used queer theory in your practice I'm not sure like I guess if you went back to practicing after learning about queer theory but uh, if you can think of any examples <laughs> where you may have used it in the past um, we'd love to know about it um which is kind of where queer theory takes me you know it's, it's thinking <laughs> yeah. queerly um, and it isn't just about working with with queer communities yeah um, David David Fryer, um, who writes about queer theory, says um, to think queerly is to really think, mm. you know, and so um, queer theory helps us to, to challenge normativity, to ask bigger questions, you know, um, yeah. about, about why do we assume that everyone's cisgendered or heterosexual and what happens if we don't assume that? You yeah. know, what could the world be like if we didn't assume that? And so queer theory helps me to ask questions about identity and privilege and power, you know. And so, so Judith Butler, you know, who's one of the, um, the you know, founding kind of um, thinkers in queer theory space, um, you know, helps me recognise that, that gendered identities aren't a given, you know, that they're not a biological fact. Um, that they're performed and so we can perform our identities any way we choose. Yeah. You know? And so then we start going, well, that means that we might then choose to be cisgendered, but it's a choice. It's not yeah. an assumption. It's not a given. It's not something um, that's expected and, you to behave in. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then if we extend beyond gender, we might choose to be heterosexual. But, again, it's a choice. So I think some people kind of go, Oh, talking about queer theory, you know, means that it's like it's anti-heterosexual and it's anti-cis, you know, it's telling us we're not allowed to be that. And we actually, like, it's not that. Not about that. It's just yeah. helping us understand that, that it's a choice that we make, you know. And so if we start seeing those things as a choice, then other sexualities um, are legitimate choices. If we see cisgender as just one in a whole bunch of choices, then the power of being cisgender is called into question. You know, yeah. Um, you know, we go. How, how does how does that get to be privileged? Um, mm-hmm. And that's where it gets challenging for people because they see that as a loss of power. Um, yeah. But but we know as critical thinkers, power isn't a finite commodity. There's actually room for everyone. You know, so teaching those kind of you know, if we're talking about how do I engage queer theory in my practice, it's teaching those ideas. Mm. You know, teaching those ideas about identity and privilege and power and the fact that, that, that um, gendered identities are performed, you know, and that, and that therefore we get to choose. You know, yeah. how liberating is that, that we can choose? We can, 
we can choose to be heterosexual. But, yeah. But we acknowledge that it's a choice that we've made. You mm. know, and the whole world steers us in that direction. But yeah. but if we stop and question that, then then at least we understand the choices that we're making, you know, and, and it, we might choose to go in other directions, you know, we might choose multiple directions, you know, we don't need to make just one choice. Um, and and so um, and so I'm trying to queer our social work and mm. human services courses. That's you know, it. that's if if how does this inform my practice? My practice right now is teaching. That's my practice. Yeah. And so I'm trying to queer teaching practice. I'm trying to queer our social work and human service course. Yeah. Um, and that's about embedding more queer theory, more queer conversations into the course, mm. not just in queer week. You yeah. know, not just having one week of it, but mm. but having those conversations ongoing. Making it like something that's... I don't want to say normal, but like, yeah, something that's like more well integrated into into social work education, because I I didn't even know about like queer theory I, in my first year. I don't really remember there being much about like have a queer week, um, yeah. which was only like three years ago. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's something that we need to work towards. And yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, things like like pronouns, pronouns matter, you know, Um, and so I'm trying to get better at introducing myself with my pronouns um, because that invites other people to do the same. There's to people that this is a conversation that we can have. Having having case studies where, um, because, you know, social work education, we love our case studies, don't we, you know? (laughs) And so... And so having case studies where someone's queer, um, mm. but that isn't their issue. It just happens to be part yeah. of who they are. That would be refreshing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, or they come from a queer family, you know, but yeah. that isn't the problem that's to be fixed. So, you know, the, the conversation is about someone and they happen to have two mums or, you know, whatever, yeah? And would you um, see that there's a lot of assumptions around, uh, like, children who grow up with parents who are you know, both this identifies both the same gender or like transgender. Like, I, do you think that there's a lot of assumptions about uh, the, I guess, the wellness of those children? Yes, there are still those assumptions, and and the research is really clear um, debunking those assumptions. The research actually um, very clearly says children of parents who identify as the as the same uh, gender actually grow up. Um, with a greater understanding of diversity. They often um, feel more secure in their relationships. Um, right. You know, there's this fear that they're going to grow up gay or something, but, um, um, you know, A, why is that a fear? But B, um, most, most people who are gay have grown up in heterosexual, with heterosexual parents. Um, yeah. So it clearly isn't a genetic thing. Um, so it doesn't work the other way either and um how have you how have you seen other people use queer theory in their practice have you noticed anything that's like really cool or interesting of other people who might have used queer theory um yeah in in their practice yeah I mean people do people are People are doing all kinds of really interesting stuff, you know, in terms of social work um, education. I mean, people are really starting to ask serious questions about social work education. 
um, and how um, and the impacts on queer social work students um, of yeah. that heteronormative education. Um, and, and I guess that's what kind of prompted an interest, you know, for me in, in me doing, you know, my PhD research, I'm, I'm looking at queer social work students in their social work education. Um, and that's because that research hasn't been done in Australia yet. Um, it's been right. done in, in the US and, and Canada. There's really some horrible stories, the experiences of, of people, um, uh, the experiences of homophobia and cisgenderism from within their social work courses, you know. So that's really important work that's being done. Um, but there's also, you know, other, there's, there's, there's people doing really interesting um, research, uh, you know, all kinds of things from, you know, researching, you know, the way space is used, you know, researching about family and different types of families. Um, I recently read an article about discourses of femininity and snowboarding, you know, like, so you know, <laughs> wow. people are using really their theory, in, you know, in all kinds of ways. Yeah? yeah. And it's not just about how to work better with queer communities. Queer theory helps us to challenge normativity. Mm. Um, and so it can be used beyond just working with queer communities because it helps us ask questions mm -hmm. about why is this seen to be normal. I was just about to ask that actually, <laughs> like how can this, uh, how can queer theory be used when working with other people um, who yeah. might marginalise or oppress that aren't necessarily queer? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it becomes another tool in our practice framework, you know, and so it helps to inform all of our practice. Um, feminist theories, you know, if you think about feminist theories, they help us to challenge patriarchy, which then helps us to work not just with women, but also with men to recognise the negative impacts of patriarchy. Yeah, so you can employ feminist practice in your work with men, yeah, because it's about understanding patriarchy. Um, and so queer theory helps us to move beyond even that gendered thinking, so it moves beyond patriarchy, you know, to challenge the impacts of hetero and cis normativity on all people. So beyond those binary genders or sexualities. And when we do that, everything changes. You know, when we start asking questions about that, you know, those really core things about how we, how we, how we see ourselves and how we move through the world, you know, how our relationships are and, and why we have relationships with the people that we have. You know, when we start asking ourselves those questions and, 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 and throwing open the boundaries and the limits that, that have been put around that, it opens up a whole world of possibilities and queer theory helps us ask those questions because it says actually gender isn't understood in binary ways. You know, mm. identity isn't understood in binary ways. Yeah. And, and what do you mean by binary, Jen? You know, one side usually good, one side usually bad, you know, so male, female, binary, good, yeah. bad, social worker, client, queer, straight, yeah, those kind of binaries, yeah. And, and that's the world is understood in, in those kind of ways and usually they are hierarchical binaries, you know, where one is good and one is bad, yeah, or one's, yeah. you know, one's dominant and one's subordinate, not good and bad, one's yeah. dominant and one's subordinate, yeah? yeah, yeah. And so challenging those binaries means that we're challenging everything. And queer theory helps us do that. Post-structuralism, post-modernism, critical theories help us do that too. Do you think that queer theory is something that need people need to pay more attention to in social work education? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. I think that it's not good enough to say 
using critical theory, I can, I can think about social justice and I can be anti-oppressive, mm. um, you know, and I can think about injustice. Um, if you don't understand the basics of how some injustice works, then mm. it doesn't, it's not on your radar. Yeah. And so I think we need to kind of take a step back and go, let's talk about queer for a bit. And then we can bring queer into that bigger picture, you know, but let's just talk about queer for a bit in the same way that we need to talk about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander stuff, you know, and go, no, actually there's some things that we just need to understand about injustice in that context, about racism and about whiteness and about privilege. Mm -hmm. And so we need to understand that so yeah. then we can integrate that into our critical theory and critical practice. But we yeah. need to actually have the conversations and understand it better first. Mm. And so we need to do the same with all things queer. Yeah. I, I definitely think that students could really benefit from having more conversations about queer theory, like while they're at uni, before they go into practice. Yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. be more beneficial for them to learn it before. I, yeah, I really appreciate having this conversation with you and, learning more about, um, yeah, more about queer theory and how you use it in your practice and, yeah, yeah, how queer theory is something that that's useful for, yeah, challenging, like, heteronormative assumptions or challenging things that maybe haven't been questioned before. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really interesting to know that it can be used, like, with other, when working with other people as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, queer theory itself has moved beyond just thinking about diverse genders and sexes and sexualities mm. to, to thinking about, because uh, people talk about a post-queer theory, you know, and so talking about, about race and, and nationalism and, uh, you know, like so in colonialism, talking about a whole range of other um, ideas as well through a queer theory lens. Yeah, saying, you know, we need to um, uh, think about inter intersectionality in our, in our queer theorising Definitely. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we're just about out of time, Jen, but I was just wondering if there's any. Yeah, there's something that I wanted to say that I kind of no, definitely. over and, and then we got onto something else. Oh, definitely. But, fine. <laughs> so, uh, and, it, and it is actually something important that I, that I want to kind of say. Um, and it was about, um, about going back to that, how do, how do we, use it in, or how do I use it in practice you know and it's about um trying to hold the space open for queer conversations in in mm. my teaching um and that 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 means that it's not always comfortable and I think I really want to acknowledge that queer students often carry the brunt of that discomfort mm. um as other students ask questions and challenge some of those previously held ideas um, and queer students are sitting there, you know. And so uh, we talk about critical teaching and learning spaces being brave spaces, you know, that's some of the language that we use. Yeah. Um, but we don't always acknowledge that it's the queer students who are needing to be really brave, you know, to sit through those conversations. Um, we kind of frame it in the context of people being brave enough to challenge their, their previously held ideas, you know, to challenge dominant discourses. Mm -hmm. But we don't think about what's happening on, you know, to the, to the people who are being talked about. It's often like, I can imagine it would be like very uncomfortable. Like if you, 
if you've maybe had a very negative experience with, um, you know, your sexuality or your gender, and then you have other students who are talking about it, I guess, respectfully, but it can still, you know, yeah. I guess, bring up emotions. And yeah. And I guess my question is, what can students do when those things arise? Like, are there some, I guess, practical things students can do when talking about it in, in those big spaces? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think for me, um, it's about, it's about recognising that there is an impact and there's an impact to not just when the conversation happens, but when there's, there's a silence left by a conversation that should have been had and wasn't. Um, yeah. and, and queer students carry that, you know, carry that, that, that discomfort. And for me as an educator, so rather than respond to what students should do, you know, I'm going to respond to what educators should do because educators facilitate those brave spaces. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so as educators, we need to be better at recognising that impact um, yeah. and we need to take the load off queer students, you know. Um, yeah. We need to recognise that they are brave and we need to heal that hurt. And, and I think for students, it's, it is about having the conversations. It's still about asking the questions because yeah. that's how learning happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about being respectful. Being um, it's about um, critical practice is about is about doing the work, isn't it? Critical practice isn't <laughs> easy. It's about doing the work. It's not taking the easy path. Um, and sometimes it might be about getting it wrong in the effort to get it right. Mm. And and so being able to hold hold that, that's where critical reflection comes in. <laughs> good, old, good old critical reflection that we talk yeah. about a lot. Thank you so much for that, Jen. Is there any uh, final thoughts that you'd like to leave uh, with us today, I, I think I think I've, I think I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for thanks, yeah, Angela. Us about queer theory and how you use it in your practice. It's, um, I've definitely learned a lot from yeah from talking to you, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, hopefully we can have you again on the podcast for for another conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. Cheers. Bye. See ya. If you'd like to keep up with any of our socials and to continue listening to future episodes, please follow us on Instagram. That's Critical Conversations, the number four SW.